We want to look at God's Word together, Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 6, as we talk about serving Him and God calling all of us to our own role, to our own task, to our own responsibility of serving Him effectively through the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we want to talk about this morning. We believe, or I believe, that God has a task for every individual here in this place. I believe He has gifted every individual. And I believe he wants to use that gift in the context of the local church. Acts chapter 6 tells us and shows us how those servants step up when they're called upon to take care of those issues, whatever they may be in the church, in order to promote unity and also to promote kingdom growth. And I pray this morning as we look at this passage, God would challenge us in that regard. Look at Acts chapter 6 beginning in verse 1. It says, Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the word of God spread. The number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. You have this growing church in the book of Acts. It's like it is unstoppable. The gospel is going forth. People are being saved. People are coming into the life of the church, the community of faith. It is amazing. But even in the midst of such success, prosperity, kingdom growth, even in the midst of it, There are issues. There are actually those hostilities that are coming against the church, church from the outside. We've already seen there is persecution that is coming against the church. And inside, there's been a deception, Ananias and Sapphira, that the devil had used them to somehow bring deception within the church. God dealt with that deception, but there was a threat that was brought by them. And now, in Acts chapter 6, once again... You find an inward conflict, an inward obstacle or challenge. So Satan's attacking from the outside. And then he tries to bring disturbances from the inside. Sounds like the old devil, right? Sounds like the way he would slander and somehow bring his strategies to bear. Here it says that there was a mummering that takes place. People began complaining. In the midst of growth, I mean, there's the growth pains of ministry, of taking care of one another, and murmuring happens. Now, see, I believe, I'm convinced. When I look at verse 1, there is no doubt in my mind after I read it. There is no doubt in my mind that the first century church was a Baptist church. (laughs) Amen or oh me at that point says that they were beginning to complain. Now, let me say this. 
There are actually maybe some legitimate complaints here. There's some legitimate murmuring that is going on. There are some legitimate concerns that I think these individuals have. And what is happening, according to what the scripture says, it says there arose against the Hebrews by the Hellenists this complaint because the widows were neglected in the daily distribution. So what's happening in the church? Well, the church is growing. Its ministry is expanding. The programs can't quite keep up. They have a program of taking care of the widows. I think I heard a marvelous message last week by a young man that stood in this pulpit. I was here, wasn't I? I was, yes. <laughs> about meeting the people's needs. And the church, they were meeting the people's needs. They were trying to take care, of course, of those that were most vulnerable in society, in particular the widows, the widows who in this society, in this time, could be just cast away. Now, I will say for the Jewish people, they showed more concern for the widows than most other cultures did. They, they tried to see to their needs. And now the Christian church looking at these widows and recognizing that society had marginalized them, had pushed them to the side, that there were great needs that they would have. The church said, we want to minister to them. But the church is growing and there's so many more widows and there's so many more things that are going on. And before you know it, the program begins to, to break down just a bit. In particular, the Hellenists, those would be the Greek-speaking Jews, they begin to come and complain about how their widows were being neglected as opposed to the Hebrew-speaking widows that were there. And there was a clash of cultures, right? I mean, in the book of Acts, we'll talk more about this in the weeks to come, but there was, you, you would see a clash of cultures coming together in the church. You have the Hellenist-speaking, or the Greek-speaking Hellenist Jews in the church at this time, and you have the Hebrew, or maybe Aramaic-speaking Jews who are in the church. So they're trying to, to bridge the gap. In the church, sometimes you have to do that, right? You bring different cultures together, because the church is not monolithic. The church was to bring individuals together from all nations. It was to bring people together from all cultures. Let me stop here a moment because I see right now you're already beginning to nod off, which <laughs> troubles me at this point in the message. But I remember being in South Mississippi. I pastored a church there that I loved dearly, Pine Grove Baptist Church. I was out in the middle of the country. And for the most part, you had the old Mississippi people there. Uh, I mean, you just had just good old country folks, and they were wonderful to minister with and to, uh, to work with. But in this time frame, even before Katrina, there was this migration of people from like New Orleans and Chalmette that were moving up into our area. You ever been to Chalmette? <laughs> Some of you from Chalmette? Some of you? Now they, not myself, okay, they lovingly referred to themselves in the church as the Shalmatians that were there. <laughs> and there was a cultural divide. You're talking about the old Mississippi people and you talk about the folks from Chalmette and South Louisiana and all of a sudden we were coming into this little church. You don't believe there wasn't some type of division that was there culturally? I was like, okay guys, we have got to come together. We have got to 
somehow bring ourselves together in unity or let God bring us together in unity as we serve him. It's great to have different cultures coming together because we're not bound by our cultural experience. We are bound by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Whoever we are, that, that's, that's what holds us together. It is Christ and his teaching and his work. No matter what a person looks like, no matter how a person speaks, so here in the early church, they were coming together and they were trying to cross these cultural barriers with the help of God. But there were difficulties. Hey, that encourages me. I don't know if it encourages you or not, but it encourages me. Some of you I know are looking at me and saying now, Reggie, how can it encourage you that there were difficulties in Acts chapter 6? It encourages me because of this. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ in the book of Acts, they look like they've got it together for the most part. They're out there, they're serving, they're ministering, and there is power on them that is amazing to recognize in Scripture. And even in the midst of all of that, you recognize they were flesh and blood just like us and that they still had issues. Well, that reminds me and encourages me in some sense because it says, even though the power of God may be upon us, it doesn't mean that we can't have some conflict in our church or conflict among the people of God. It reminds me of that, but it encourages me that even in the midst of that, God can work and God can bring healing, unity, and continue on the advancement of the kingdom. I'm encouraged by that because I've seen... In churches through the years, much conflict, much issue that would come, different things. Now, thankfully, thankfully, and I always give gratitude to God for this. We are a united bunch, and I am so, I'm so thankful for God unifying our hearts and lives like he has these last five plus years. And I pray that he would continue. But if we grow and if we continue to do what we need to do, there will always be some challenges that will come. There will be. But listen to me. Listen to me. No matter what challenge comes, the power of God, His wisdom, and the Holy Spirit will give us exactly what we need to solve those kinds of conflicts and to keep marching on for His kingdom. I really believe that. And let me say to you, there are some of you in this place, before I get to serving and talking about serving in the context of the church, some of you have experienced conflict and you've experienced pain, maybe in this church or another church, I mean disappointment. I want to tell you, I may be one of those that will disappoint you one day. I hope not, but I'm flesh and blood. And some word I say or decision I make may not somehow translate to your spirit. But I pray, I pray that you will never give up on the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And obviously, if you're here this morning, and if you've experienced pain and conflict, obviously you haven't quite given up. But I'm just going to say to you, don't give up. And when you get to the point of wanting to give up on the church, you just stop a moment, have a time with the Lord, and let him remind you how he didn't give up on you. How he loved you. Could you imagine at this point, some of the Hellenists say, hey, we're out of here. We're through with this. You haven't taken care of our widows. We're not a part of this church anymore. 
They didn't do that. They didn't do that. As a matter of fact, they brought their complaint to the leadership of the church. And there was a legitimate complaint, I believe. But you can hear within their words this idea of a bias, like we're not being taken care of because we're Hellenists, because we're Greek-speaking Jews, and they are Aramaic-speaking. They're native to this land, and, and I know we've been Hellenized. The influence of Alexander the Great has had an influence upon us, but we still need to be ministered to. They bring their complaint to the leadership. And I love the way the Lord works all of this out. Because what he does is the Spirit of God, I believe, instructs and helps the leadership to go to the church, the saints, to make godly decisions so that they can bring the servants to where they need to be to take care of the issues the church has. I love the way the Spirit works through the saints in order to elect the servants so that the kingdom can keep moving on. And I believe our, our church is blessed to know that the Spirit of God is alive and well within us and directing us and leading us. And also the Spirit of God speaks through His church, through His people, in order to bring forth the servants that will deal and take care of the different programs of the different needs of the different areas of the church life. This is what happens. It says the twelve summon the multitude of disciples. I think all the church, they bring them together and they say it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Now, don't misunderstand what the apostles were saying. Some could read that and say, ah, oh, the apostles said the widows aren't worth it. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if they had had social media back then? I mean, when I grew up, all we had were telephones, and they were destructive enough, you know? I would get home from church some days, and my Aunt Key, who was a shut-in, would call my mother. I mean, within five minutes of walking out of the church, and she would say, she would, Bon, what did, what did that preacher say down there today at that church? We heard he said this, and he said that. And I always thought to myself, uh, man, if we had such a hotline to heaven, you know, that would be... I mean, how in the world did that message somehow get out so quickly? And you could imagine the apostles standing up and say, Hey, we don't have time quite to do this. We've got to commit our time to the Word and to prayer. Well, social media today would light up Preach, um, pastors who do not pastor, pastors who do not care. They don't care about the widows. We told you we need to go to another church. They cared about the widows. And that is the reason they sought some type of solution. They realized at a certain point the church was growing. They could not do everything. I think up to this point they may have even been some of the ones who were serving the widows. But it, as the church grew and the programs and the ministry continued, they couldn't do it any longer. They had to delegate. You know what? It's fine to delegate. 
I have to tell myself that over and over and over. Delegate. 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 Why? Because you and I, individually, we can't do everything the church needs. Did you hear me? You and I, individually, cannot do everything the church needs. Nor should we try to do everything the church needs. One, it will exhaust us. Go back to the Old Testament and look at the example of delegation that was set for us by Jethro, who basically was just, or, or Moses that is, how Jethro spoke to Moses and said, Moses, you're going to wear yourself out if you keep trying to do all this. We'll wear ourselves out. But the other side of it is this. God's got a lot of us together here in this place. He didn't intend for one person to do it all. He intended for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, all of us who are here this morning, to somehow utilize our gift for His glory and for the ministry. So when I'm trying to do it all, I'm cutting you out of your ministry. I'm cutting you out of your work. When you try to do it all, you're cutting me out of my ministry and my work. It's not for us to do it all. And that's what the apostles were saying. The apostles said, we, we can't do everything. So this is what you should do. You should select some servants. Now, I understand that most of the time, Acts chapter 6 speaks to the forerunners of the deacons or the first deacons. I know that's usually preached in that context. And I have no argument with that. But I think the seven really demonstrate to us, no matter who we are, the model of what it means to follow, and to be obedient, and to take part, and to use our giftedness. They show us the heart of a servant. And they show us how we can serve. So, so let's look at that. Beginning in verse 3, it says, Therefore, brethren, Seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Now, if you are to be a servant, like God wants you to be a servant within the church, you first of all need to be ready in whatever area of life God's called you to. I mean, you need to be fulfilling your purpose. You need to be ready. You need to be doing what God has called you to do. Because get, get this. Before you can do what you should do, you need to be who you should be. Now, what I'm saying is before you can be actively serving like you should, you need to be personally the person that God wants you to be. You don't just serve and hope your character will come forth. Your character should precede your service. And I know this. I know that you and I cannot be who we need to be without the Lord Jesus. I know that. God has to come and work in our lives. God's working on me every day. I thought some of you would say amen on that one, especially with reference to me, that God's working on. He's working on me every day. Hopefully he's working on you. But here they said, we need you to go and find people of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Now, what are these people going to be doing? These seven. They are going to be doing the ministry of waiting tables. They're waiting tables. And they had to have a background check. Think of that just a moment. 
of waiting tables. That doesn't seem like it would take much. I mean, that wouldn't take much reputation. That wouldn't take much uh, wisdom. You would think you just go and take care of the tables. It doesn't matter whatever God has called you to do. It doesn't matter how significant or you may think insignificant your task is in the local church. It should begin with you seeking him in everything that you are and being people of good reputation, being people full of the Holy Spirit that is surrendered totally to him, committed to the Spirit's guidance and to wisdom. You and I have to start there. It does seem strange that they would need these qualities to wait tables, but perhaps they're going to need some wisdom when they, when they come and they speak to that widow about her situation or about the ministry. Maybe they're going to need some wisdom. Maybe they're going to need people of good reputation to do this because right now there's a scandal and there's a, an accused bias that's happening in the church. They need people of good reputation to step up and to help bring some type of unity and fellowship back to the church. They are people who are ethically and spiritually exemplary in their lives. And I just say to you that for us as a church, we need those kind of people serving. And I don't care what you're doing. I don't care what kind of service, whether you're a Sunday school teacher, whether you're a choir member, whether you're in the praise band, whatever else, you and I need to demonstrate the Lord Jesus Christ in whatever area of our life, not just here on Sunday morning. My life needs to be of good reputation on Thursday, just like it does on Sunday. I need to be committed to the Holy Spirit's leadership on Tuesday, just as I am on Sunday morning. I need to be full of wisdom on Monday. No, not Monday. Monday's too rough. Full of wisdom <laughs> on, on Friday as I am on Sunday. I need to be a person. I need to be who I need to be before I can do what I need to do. I think that's what he says here. Look for these kind of folks. And I just say to you, when we're choosing any type of leadership, we need to look at those qualities. I don't put a person in a position, and let me just go back and say this. I really don't put people in positions, but let me say that we as a church should not put people in positions hoping that they would become faithful. When I was younger, I, I heard in my church, they would say, let's, let's make this guy the Sunday school teacher, and maybe he'll start coming more regularly. <laughs> you think I'm kidding. Well, you know what? He did come more regularly for about two months. And then before you know it, once a month he was there to teach. And then they would go back, and we got into all kinds of problems in our church because then the Sunday school teacher wasn't showing up, and how are we going to deal with this? We should not put people in positions so that they will become faithful. We put people in positions because they are faithful. 
Remember 1 Timothy? Chapter 3, verse 10. It spoke about the election of deacons. It says that you are to test them. You are to look at them. You are not to put a novice in that position. In other words, when you and I elect deacons, we don't elect people who we hope will be deacons. We elect people who are already deacons. You and I don't call anybody to the deaconship. God does that. All we do is confirm it as a church. I believe here that God just confirmed within the people who these servants should be. You and I need to be the people that we should be. And we need to be living life each day as God has called us to in our character. But we need to be ready wherever he places us. In whatever area of life, but we need to be ready wherever. Wherever they were needed. So again, it says here that they need people to wait tables. Seems rather insignificant. Why in the world would Dr. Luke commit, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I know that, but why would Dr. Luke commit this certain passage to his writing to remind us or, 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 or to just record for us this action of the church. I think it is to remind us that there are no insignificant tasks within the church and that each and every person is called to his giftedness and to exercise that giftedness within the local church, even, even in those things that we believe are little, waiting tables. Hey, I, I figured this out some time ago. I mean, I was not a preacher very long or a pastor very long, and I realized little things can cause a big fuss. Little things can cause all kinds of issue within the church. Uh, usually it's not over something that I preached or something that I said, but oh, you let somebody forget to turn the air conditioner on on Sunday morning. <laughs> Somehow, the bathrooms are not cleaned the way they should be. Somehow, the food is not cooked or it is not hot when you show up on Wednesday night. Never happened, Miss Glenda here. Never happened. I'm just saying to you, you don't think people would get upset? Little things? Usually, it would be those little things that could create a big fuss. But guess what? God has chosen us to take care of the big things and the little things. And he's chosen certain people in this place to be able to minister and take care of such things so that the church can be unified and continue on. You contribute to the unity of the church when you serve wherever he places you. Wherever it is. And it is significant. You do not forget it. You are significant to the life and the work of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I know the preacher is one who is most visible on Sunday mornings. But thanks be to God, there are a whole lot of people that work on Sunday mornings, during the week, throughout each and every day 
to see that the programs and the ministry and the work of this church continues. You can make a difference. There are different shoes to fill. And he has customized them to your foot so that you can fulfill what he has called you to do. Hey, as a child some years ago, I was sitting in church and I heard Brother Holland. It was my pastor who's still there, I think, after almost 50 years at Birmingham Ridge. And Brother Holland said one day that even if your job in the church is to scrape the bubble gum off the bottom of the pews, you are important to the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know how old I was. I think I was probably somewhere between 10 and 12. But my ears perked up. Because I knew there were a lot of things I couldn't do in the church. But then I got to thinking, you know what I could do? I could retrieve that bubble gum. Now, I was tall for my age. But even in that, (laughs) I could still get under those pews. Hey, that meant a lot to me as a 10, 12 year. I still remember it today, obviously. And you know what? Whatever God's called you to, whether it's waiting a table, whether it's singing, whether it's riding a golf cart, whatever it is, it is important in the life of this church and for the kingdom of God. You don't forget it. And there are places right now you can serve. And I want to say thank you to those who help us with the Lord's Supper, who helped me back in the back when we baptized, for people who sing in this choir, for people who play in the orchestra, for people who are up in the gathering band, for people who do ride those golf carts on Sunday morning. This morning when I pulled up, one of them was smiling from ear to ear. And how welcoming that was and how I thought about that. The greeters who were here as I was walking in this morning, the people who help us with food around here. Hey, the tabbers. Do you know what, who the tabbers are? You, some of you do. Wednesday morning, there's a group of ladies and guys that come to the conference room and they tab the tidings. Those of you who get it through mail, that tab on there has been lovingly prepared They put those tabs on. Whether it's in the audio or media, whatever it is. Let me say to you, there are always places. In the next few weeks, I know, Jeremy, you're doing a choir recruitment. We need more people in the choir. Some of you say, I just don't know. God has gifted you in some way so that you can sing the choir. You ought to be in the choir. The gathering band, the youth band, there there are places right now in the youth band that we need help. There are places with our security we need help. April 15th, Jason, I think y'all are having a big meeting. I say to you, some of you who are gifted in that area, you ought to come. We need people who are 
going to continue to greet. We're grateful for those. We want to kind of build that ministry of hospitality here. Jacob's working on that. You're going to see messages about that. You ought to be volunteering for that. Listen, we have a great group of people already volunteer. I saw it last Tuesday night as they came and as we had that volunteer appreciation banquet. But I'll say to you, there are a lot more that need to step up. And if you walk in this place and you say, well, I don't feel like I was greeted as well as I should have been this morning. You know what? That may mean that you ought to step up and greet. <laughs> well, the choir just seemed like it was down. That's because you weren't there. If there's a need, there's a place. And that means that God has called somebody to that place and to that need. Just like it was here. And God wants to use you. All of us have different gifts. Will you be a servant? Hey, may I tell you about my friend? Uh, he's going on to be with the Lord already, but talking about one of those guys from South Louisiana that moved up to South Mississippi. His name was Jerry Loop. Jerry said that when he started school in South Louisiana, he did not know a word of English. And it was very difficult for him, but he made it through school and got out and did his work and in retirement had moved to South Mississippi to the Pine Grove area. He was one of my deacons. had just been elected a deacon before I got there. I tell you, I've probably never seen an individual there was a servant like Jerry, Jerry Luke was. He would, uh, he would sometimes uh, come by and just check on me to make sure I was doing okay. If I were out in the front yard, uh, and I was, Leslie, we were raking. Um, remember it was Pine Grove, right? There were pines everywhere. We would rake that pine straw. I would be raking, she would be raking, and all of a sudden we'd see that old beat-up blue pickup truck come into the drive. Jerry would pop out, and he would grab that rake behind uh, that he had with him to, to bring over to rake the yard. I remember meeting him that first time saying, Jerry, you're not going to do this. He said, yes, I am, preacher. I said, no, you're not, Jerry. You're not going to help me today. Why not? I said, because if people see you in my front yard raking, I'm going to get all kinds of grief come Sunday morning. They already think I'm lazy. Well, I mean, if that happens, maybe you can rake my backyard. No, I didn't say that. I said, no, Jerry, you're not going to do that. And, and, and he, said, he said, yes, I am. I said, no, you're not. He said, I can whip you right here, preacher. I said, I know that. I know, but you'll never come back in my yard again. He said, why are you trying to stop me from doing what I need to do? What they told me I need to do. I said, who told you you need to do this? He said, when they elected me a deacon, they said all I had to do was help the preacher. That's all I had to do. He would clean my dog pen. How many men would do that for another man? Some of you say, are you just trying to say you need us to help you more? <laughs> I do have pint. No, 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 no. I've got people like that here. I'm not telling you that because it's me. Because you know what? He didn't do that just for me. He did it for everybody. He took care of our vans at the church. Made sure they were running. He'd take our older people to the doctor. 
If they didn't have a ride, he'd show up at their house, take them, give me reports. He came to my office one day and he said, Brother Reg, he said, I, I think I'm going to resign being a deacon. I said, why is that? He said, because I'm not as smart as those other guys. When I'm in there and I can't hear as well anymore and I don't know what they're talking about, I just think I'm going to resign. I said, Jerry Luke, you get out of my office. Get out now. I never want to hear you say that again. He said, why are you like that, Brother Reg? I said, because I'm going to tell you, you're more of a deacon than any other deacon I've ever run into. Don't you ever say that to me. He was a servant. And it didn't matter where it was or what it was, and he never looked for the glory or the recognition. And I tell you, there are a lot of people, even some people I can look at in here, and they have that kind of servant heart as well. I say to you, that should not be, that should not be something that is out of the ordinary. That should be the regular heart of every one of us as we follow him. Because whatever area of life we should be living appropriately, wherever God calls us to, we should be willing. And whenever he says, this is what I want you to do, you know what we should say? Yes, sir. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I think the Spirit is the one that speaks to us, even as servants, and leads us and guides us. We should always be willing, though, to say yes. When the Spirit prompts us. Here at our church we have a nominating committee that will a lot of times put together Sunday school teacher list and all that kind of stuff. And I know we, we go to the people and, and I don't want to minimize prayer whatsoever. I'm respectful of folks when they say, let me pray about it. But sometimes, sometimes I, I'm not sure if we don't use it as an excuse. Let me pray about it, and I'll go home and think of all the reasons why I can't do this, and then I'll get back with you. Not everybody, not everybody, but I've often said, what if you just came to the person, and, and actually it's happened to me in the last few years more than I ever thought it would, but what if you came to people and said, you know what, the nominating committee, the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, they, they, they want you to do this. And for that person to look and say, you know what? The Holy Spirit's been working in me too. And I absolutely want to do that. I've been waiting for the Spirit to speak in a certain way to do this. Because this is a joint effort. The Spirit working through His saints to encourage the servants to be ready in whatever, wherever, and whenever that they're called to serve. Could you imagine? I had written down in my notes about resident membership and all that, but let's, let's just say this one. Could you imagine if every person in this building, every person there, there in that gathering, every individual said, you know what? I'm exercising my gift. This is what it is. I'm exercising it in the life of the church for His glory and for his ministry. Could you imagine if we all did that effectively today? Every one of us said, whatever it is, Lord, wherever it is, whenever, here we are. You don't think that would make a difference for the kingdom? Verse 7 said that all of a sudden the word of God kept spreading. Church kept growing. 
It said even the priests, some of the priests in the temple, they committed themselves to the Lord, to his word. My friends, you can serve. It's not just you can. He wants you. Would you say, yes, Lord? Here I am. Lord, use me. Would you hear him today? Would you commit yourself to using the gift that he has given you for his glory, for his honor? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for the church through which we can minister, which we can serve. For Father, we know that when we serve one another inwardly and we are united, we also know that you will use that to extend your kingdom outwardly, just as this passage reminds us. God, there are some in this place that need to just say yes to you and serving you in certain areas. There are some in this place that you need to open certain areas to right now, Lord, and I pray you would do that. God, help us to be faithful in whatever, wherever, and whenever. We pray it now. In Jesus' name.